0: So today we've got a fantastic guest on the show today. I have spoken to Letitia in the past. We have had great interviews and chats online and I've invited her because she's an expert when it comes to really getting the viewpoint of the difference between tech in corporate world and tech in small business world. She's an expert uh, coach and she looks after small businesses, especially in the startup phase. She's going to tell us a little bit about what she does there, but also talking about the cutting edge of technology, the innovation revolution. It's fast paced, it's exciting, it's inspirational and many new startup small businesses play in the tech space. And like all small business worlds, innovation comes in many forms. Each small business at some point adapts or pivots or evolves and that can be considered and innovation. But just like small businesses and all the hurdles that come with it, those who navigate this techpreneur space have their own innovation frustrations. Whether it's you working in corporate environment where the wheels turn slowly, it can be painful to those with similar small business compliance issues that we all know and love. innovation, Innovative tech businesses face the same trials as we all do. Now, Letitia Andrak is a highly experienced in this world. She's worked with multinational giants to get them moving faster and nimble small businesses to get them moving slower. Each of these experiences brought with them challenges to overcome and overcome them Letitia has. She's with us today on Small Biz Matters to share those experiences from which we can all learn. Welcome to the program Letitia. Thank you Alexi. Hi everyone. It's great to have you on the show today because we've spoken in the past about this and I, I think you have a unique perspective because you've worked both with the giants and with the nimble small businesses both living and breathing those experiences, but also from an outsider's perspective in terms of supporting businesses at that time. Now, tell us a little bit about the background and what sort of experience you have that really informs on innovation today.
1: Sure. So, um, I've been starting my career in um, consulting. So, I've been a consultant for about seven years in innovation and strategy. So, really supporting uh, big multinational as well as non-for-profit and also bigger brands such as Bloomberg Philanthropy. So I've been helping them implementing innovation within their framework, as well as uh, supporting startups, new founders in the navigation of how do I bring my ideas to life. So I have this uh, double hat on. On top of that, I, I quit consulting and joined a big corporate in Australia where I've been leading innovation, leading ventures, big data venture for this big corporation. So I've been a corporate innovator from within, which is called an intrapreneur. For those of you who wants to learn about a new word, (laughs) Uh, it's not entrepreneur, it's intrapreneurs. And I am also having my uh, business, my own business where I coach and support um, startups, scale-ups and uh, bigger businesses around embedding an innovation culture and bringing their ideas to
0: life. And just simply, what is the main difference between innovation in that corporate world and innovation in the startup space? Very good question, Alexis. So the main difference, I'd say, is um, the
1: the pace you're moving. So if you if you start bringing an ideas to life in a big corporate, as you can imagine, you have a lot of regulation in place, privacy, branding, and all this kind of hurdles that you have to jump. Uh, at the beginning of uh, building your ID. And then once you've jumped them, what is perfect is you can leverage the um, the networks, the processes, the, the teams that are behind you to push the ID and make it happen quicker. But at the beginning, it requires a lot of resilience to make sure that you are bringing your ideas from zero to one, but then to bring in from one to 100, it's very easy. So it's this beginning uh, of the journey which can take a long time because you need to go to the board you need to explain why it is important for this brand to take a risk and launch a new offering that can be quite disruptive Um, in startup it's the other way around it's like you can start very quickly like okay, I have an idea, boom, my uh, minimum viable product, which is called MVP, for those of you who are familiar with the Lean Startup uh, framework. So moving from the idea to the MVP and then to scaling it to um, a product or an offering is fairly easy. It's then scaling it, making sure that you get the customer on board and so on. So it's like, it's quite interesting because you have uh, the beginning of the journey, which is very slow in corporate, and then it accelerate whereas in the startup world, it's very easy at the beginning to start and then to scale
0: it's harder and same with small business I feel. I get the impression that in both of those cases the connections that you make and the relationships that you build either in a corporate or as a small business entrepreneur uh, are very very important. Um, Now you've been in both of those worlds is it a different conversation that you have with like you said the board members than it does with say investors or do the conversations kind of happen the same way?
1: So it's a very um, it's a very interesting uh, way to see uh, to see this because I feel it's the same when I was pitching to create a new venture within the big corporations that uh, I am working in it's been really challenging for me to convince the board or to convince the executive to invest in this idea so I've You know, I had to do pitch, I had to show the traction, I had to show the return on investment and so on and so forth. And often I was feeling like I was an entrepreneur within the corporate to try to convince them. The only thing is I had, you know, my income and I was pretty sure I would still get my job and so on, which is quite secure in a way. Whereas as an entrepreneur, you have to go through the same uh, pitch, the same way you need to find funds with your investors and so on. But it's really like, the only way for you to get uh, an income or a way to go bigger with your idea and so on. So you have a sense of security, which is more important in the corporate world. But then the way you interact with board or investors is pretty uh, comparable. So that's why now I'm supporting entrepreneurs, so really like startup funders, to define uh, their pitch to make sure that, uh, you know, they have all the right numbers, that they tell the right stories, that they do all the due diligence with their customer and so on to build the perfect pitch to convince the investors because I feel um, I've been there.
0: <laughs> now, just because you've got that job, like you mentioned, the J-O-B in a corporate, it doesn't necessarily mean what you're trying to um, roll out in their company is a a bona fide success. It still has to get approval. Um, I didn't realise that. I just figured they bring you on board for this particular project. They've already approved it. It's going. But you've still got that approval process to get through and and to get past as well. So so the pressures are still there.
1: Yes, it is. It is, especially in uh, the field that I've been working on, which is around identifying new venture and new revenue source, new revenue stream for uh, an incumbent, for a corporate that is incumbent. So in this part-time job, I feel I'm... Really, you know, always going and looking for new ideas and new revenue source. And how might we, you know, create a new offering that makes sense for these brands, that makes sense based on our assets, on our, you know, um, marketing and alignment with our customer, our audience and so on. So it's pretty much the same journey as an entrepreneur. Um, And that's where I... I feel you learn a lot because you face the same kind of uh, friction, but as I said, you have this uh, security that the, as you said, job is providing, which is quite interesting because I work part time for the corporate and part time for myself, and I can really see the difference.
0: Yeah, and and, and I'm always amazed at how many examples we can see where corporates are trying to behave like small business. It's as though in the last five or 10 years, they've gone, oh, I see. If we're nimble and agile and flexible, then we can move as quickly. It's almost like they're trying to mirror what small business does in its functionality. Is that a shift that you've seen occur in the last few years as well?
1: Yeah, totally. A lot of uh, big uh, incumbent and corporate are moving fully agile, agile at scale, trying to apply the agile methodologies that you know was created at Spotify or other you know businesses that are pure player. I'd say you know pure innovator and pure scale up. You know startups that really scale. So it's really interesting how they try to apply those methodology, but at the same time they keep the same rigor around you know, approval, legal, privacy, security, and all this kind of thing to protect the brand. And this makes sense. But at the same time, sometimes can really create frustration. <laughs> I'm to talk about frustration. This is one of my main frustrations.
0: <laughs> so it's almost they trip up over themselves because they're a little bit obsessed with the notion of protecting the brand and legal stuff. Is that right?
1: Yes, yes. And protecting their customer, you know, their customer base, making sure. And I feel, you know, it's also reassuring as a customer of a big corporation, a big, you know, brand in Australia to make sure that they are protecting, you know, their customer data or their brand and so on and so forth. But sometimes when you really want to say, OK, we're nimble, we're innovating, we are disrupting the market, blah, blah, blah. It needs to be bold. We need to take risk. We need to go ahead and make some bets which are not always the safest one so this is where we talk about you know having a disruptive innovation or more you know an innovation that is close to your core you know so a core innovation which is really like okay i'm just moving the needle a little bit when actually the potential is in the disruptive innovation where we need to take risk we need to be like okay let's shake the market let's be where no one is expecting us and um, I feel this is something that we need to progress
0: on and help corporate do. Oh, so you see that the small businesses is has a role to help cor- cor- uh, corporate because I think it's quite funny that uh, here they are, you know, this this mag- ma- massive giant, and in order to have all those qualities that small businesses possess, they literally need small businesses help.
1: Yes.
0: And this is where you see
1: more and more corporate, you know, developing their venture funds. So investing in small businesses or in startup or scale up to create this kind of group of more nimble and, and more, you know, um, new brands that they can rely upon to create new markets. So um, it's really interesting to see how sometimes you can have An idea within a big corporate, but actually it's not going to grow within. It's more going to grow through an acquisition or through an investment in a nimble and small businesses. This is where I see a lot of, um, you know, collaboration
0: opportunities for small businesses, start up and scale-up with uh, big corporates around innovation. You see, it's interesting that you say collaboration. I see that as acquisition. I see that as big corporates uh, going around and eating up small businesses because they're ready to sell, fair enough, or they've got that investment opportunity and they're ready to grow. Um, what's your opinion on how that works? Should small business just be left alone to do its thing or does there really need to be this collaboration between the two worlds to see technology rise?
1: I would prefer to see uh, small businesses and big giant collaborating and really, you know, having a kind of the same voice at the table. If that's uh, to a topist, let me know. But I've seen that happening in other countries and we have a few examples in Australia where it's working well. So it's really like making sure you collaborate and you don't suffocate this small business or don't suffocate this startup. Because this is often what's happening, you know. A startup is ready to go deep with a corporate and ready to sell their soul, if you allow me to say that. Whereas actually they need to stay true to their brand, true to their self, true to their vision so that their first employees and the culture is maintained and you make sure that you have a truly successful um, you know, investment and collaboration. And I feel we have uh, some company doing that uh, really well and we have some great example of collaboration. So I'm hoping we're going to do that even more. So, for instance, to take an example, Coca-Cola is doing this quite well. They have a way to incubate and innovate jointly with small businesses and startups, which is quite innovative, and we're not expecting Coca-Cola to do that. But when I was doing some research around what is a great model around incubation and innovation, collaboration with small business and entrepreneur and startups, I feel Coca-Cola is having a great model around this. Not suffocating them, but leveraging their knowledge and capabilities.
0: And what about other countries? Is there another country out there that's really nailed this collaborative effort?
1: I feel obviously we always take the example of the US, but it's true. You know, in the US you have a lot of great examples. So, for instance, we can talk about General Electric that is doing very good, uh, you know, open innovation, as they call it. So very good collaboration with, you know, smaller brand or smaller companies or startup to really create the next offering. Especially as um, GE is a really innovative company and they've nailed it, I feel, around the how do you collaborate with smaller businesses. So it's really an example that I strive to push uh, for big and giant in Australia.
0: We're going to take a break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Letitia a little bit more about innovation frustrations, particularly around the notion of creativity and who does creativity best. Is it the corporate world or is it the small biz startups? You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. We're speaking with Letitia Andrak and you're listening to Small Biz Matters. By the way, if you've just joined us, you can, of course, catch up via our podcasts on smallbizmatters.com.au and also via uh, podcasts, wherever you get them, that might be through, um, uh, where's my brain, Uh, through iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. So let's talk a little bit more, Letitia, about the concept of innovation versus creativity, because in the startup space, that can be a bit of a hurdle. Can you explain to me why there in your mind is a difference between innovation and creativity?
1: Sure, Ken. Before um, diving into that, I just want to make sure that we all speak the same language. So let me define innovation. So for me, innovation is really the creation of a viable new offering that, uh, you know, you're really releasing the word. So when I say that, it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, an invention. It has to be an innovation. And this is important around the creativity stuff. And when I say viable, it has to generate revenue or, you know, some, some kind of uh, return on investment. And when I say new offering, it's really something that we'll cover after I've talked about the creativity. It's really thinking beyond just the product that you're going to release, but thinking about your offering as a big, you know, framework talking about what is your brand, how do you engage with your customer, what are your processes and so on and so forth. So really innovation is a creation of a viable new offering. So I just wanted to first define this because this will explain you why I really think that innovation is different from creativity. Of course you need creativity to you know, um, have an idea and you know just follow through but for me it's not about You know, it's not about just thinking about something and making it happen around innovation. It's applying a discipline, applying a framework to make sure that your innovation is successful. And why do I say that? It's because I've seen a lot of businesses making, I would say, four main mistakes around innovation. And the first main one is getting fooled by the creativity aspect of innovation, thinking that, oh, oh gosh, I had this new idea. Let me get through that. And then it will be successful. No, you need to have a robust approach. You really need to first, you know, interrogate your customer or your potential customer and then prototype and then, you know, learn from it and so on. So really like applying the kind of clean startup approach to it. The second main mistake that I've seen is people jumping into the solution, which comes again around the creativity. It's like, oh gosh, I have this idea. Let's quickly develop the perfect solution, but for the wrong problem. You haven't... Ask your customer what they want you haven't asked you know your network or your potential partners or your potential clients what is their pain point and being curious about this you know going and sitting with them living their life and all those kind of things so really the second mistake that I often see it's like I found the perfect solution but it's answering the wrong problem <laughs> <laughs> And here, if you allow me to quote Einstein, because I think like this quote from Einstein, when I read it the first time was for me like just mind blowing. And I'm sharing it with a lot of my clients is if I had one hour to save the world, I would spend 55 minutes defining the problem and only five minutes finding the solution. I just think it summarises this kind of mistake of jumping straight to the creativity aspect of it, which is like, I have a solution. I'm going to paint this. No, wait, let's ask what and they there's, want.
0: There's also something to be said for the pressure that we put on small businesses that you have to be fast and you have to be nimble and you have to get to the, get to the result faster and, and, and with more agility than the big business. But there's also something to be said for corporates who take their time and are very meticulous about the process and then, as you mentioned before, accelerate.
1: Yeah, and if you allow me to, because my brain is ticking when you say that, it's not about getting the idea right. It's not about getting the right idea, which Mm. is a creativity side of thing. It's about getting the idea right, and this is where you know the discipline comes and the framework. So this is not about getting the right idea, but about getting the idea right. So then the third mistake is really focusing, as I've defined innovation, only on the product. This is where it's like, oh, I'm going to paint this artwork, or I'm going to create this, uh, you know, this great glasses, or I'm going to create this new chair that is beautifully comfortable, designed, blah, blah, blah. But think about the whole offering. So when you think about Apple, it has a whole system around it. The brand recognition, the way it interacts with their partner, with the, you know, Apple store and all those kind of things. So it's what I call the 10 types of innovation. So it's like the best innovation, the best innovator in the world. Look at innovation in a broader spectrum than just the products. They are looking at it through 10 different lenses. And those 10 different lenses are really like uh, mind blowing, I feel, because it's going through what is my profit model? Am I innovative around my profit model, around your network, your structure, your processes, your product performance, your services, your product, of course, I'm not saying that it's not important, your channel, as well as your brand and your customer engagement. So I'm just like saying the 10 types like this, but when I work with some clients, we look at those 10 types and we're like, not just focus on the product because otherwise anyone can copy you. And it doesn't matter if you're
0: Apple or you're a startup with a brand new product, you can still apply those principles to the way that you operate.
1: Yeah, totally. And this is where... You know, when I uh, mentor and coach some uh, startup or small business owner, we're really looking at how do I differentiate myself on this scale of the 10 types so that my main competitor or someone that is a newcomer in market or who is already there in the market can cannot copy what I am doing. Because if it's just a product, if we go back to the chair, anyone can make the same chair as you do. But if you, you know, create a specific ambience, a specific brand, a specific way to engage your customer, a specific way to deliver your product with your network of partner, a specific way to engage your channel, and so on and so forth, it's going to be very hard to copy you.
0: Yes. So keeping it unique, you're saying that's one of the fundamental principles is being unique. And I guess with 10 different ways of looking at it, you will build your uniqueness out of really investigating all of those options.
1: Totally. And being curious about it and being ready to... Challenge the way you are setting your business, the way you are setting the experience of your customer, the way you are defining your product. Really like being very curious and you know applying the human-centered design approach around how might we, you know, questioning yourself how might I be different with my business mm. model, how might I be different with my experience, and the fourth mistake is really about launching when everything is ready so many times i've seen small business owner startups or even corporate be like no no no! don't release it it's not perfect please release it because when it's perfect you're not going to learn or you're not going to be ready to change everything and it's what Reader of is saying so the founder of LinkedIn. it's like if you're not embarrassed with the first release of your product you've launched it too late
0: it's a great way. Feel,
1: you know, it's so true. LinkedIn it's, at the beginning was so crap.
0: So yeah, it's, it's so true. You have to be ready to evolve and innovate as you go. It's like it's a continual process. Um, Letitia, we've come up right up to the top of the hour. I'd like to thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us all your wisdom and your experience in both the corporate world and the startup world. Where can people find out more about you?
1: So I have a website which is called www.essentialshift.com. And I also have a Facebook group, which is called Essential Shift Collective. So creating this collective around innovation and transformation. So hoping to see you there. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us on Small Biz Matters.